welcome to the one in one podcast where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Mike Paulus, who was a quarterback at North Carolina from 2007 to 2009, and then transferred to William and Mary, where he played in 2010 and 2011. He now works as an associate athletic director for Navy. So we're going to talk about his playing days in athletics and now his working days in athletics. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bridget. Very much appreciate you having me on and, and to chat with you for a little bit here. Of course, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you grew up in Syracuse, New York, in a very large family. You're one of seven children. Mm-hmm. How was it growing up in a family that big? <laughs> well, I tell you what, we were all athletes, and you always had somebody to play a game with. So <laughs> if one of your brothers or if my sister didn't want to play, you just went on to the next one, and you kept bugging somebody until they wanted to play with you. So, um, yeah, we had six boys and one girl growing up. Um, I'm the sixth. You know, I had five older brothers and uh, one younger sister, and we're separated uh, by 10 years, so seven kids in 10 years, so we're very close, uh, played a lot of sports, very competitive, uh, anything inside the house, basement, backyard, uh, we were playing anything, so it was a lot of fun, uh, very competitive, a lot of fights, uh, but it was, it was great, and I wouldn't change it for anything. All I can think about is your poor sister Sarah having six older brothers. I thought I had it bad with having two older brothers, but six, oh my gosh. I know, I know, and, and I tell you what, she's she's extremely tough, but she's also probably the sweetest person you'll ever meet, which is a little odd because you think with, with six older brothers that, that <laughs> she would be, you know, more of a tomboy or very tough, but, you know, she's just an absolute sweetheart, and uh, we all love her. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, poor Sarah, I can't imagine uh, going to high school with all those brothers. No boys were probably allowed to talk to her. You know what? I don't think she had a uh, her first boyfriend until we all graduated and were out of the high school. So as soon as I graduated, she was a year younger than me. I think that's when she had her first boyfriend that she could <laughs> actually bring home without having brothers there to grill. I'm sure she was happy when you graduated. Yes, yes. I think it all worked out. <laughs> and you mentioned that you guys were all athletes. You didn't say exactly how good everyone was. All seven kids played a Division One sport, which is unreal. Most will know your brother Greg, who played basketball at Duke and then football at Syracuse mm-hmm. for a year. Now he's the head basketball coach at Niagara. Your oldest four brothers, David, Danny, Matt, and Chris, all played football at Georgetown. And actually, one of my best friends played football at Georgetown. I think he graduated in 13, so he's younger than them. Mm-hmm. And then your yeah, sister. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, then you're absolutely right. Then Sarah went on and, and played at Fairfield. She played basketball there. So we all kind of found our, our niche among sports. And, um, you know, the oldest, we all played football and and used it to help, you know, get us into great schools and, and competed there. And then Sarah's was basketball. You know, obviously Greg and, and her shared that bond of playing basketball, and Greg ended up doing both. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, we, we were taught from a young age to – to compete and, and use sports to the most of its, our abilities and then to use it for academics as well to help us get into great schools. And I think that's kind of all what we did. We wanted to play sports and we wanted to compete, but we knew there was a, a bigger picture and that there was a very small chance that anybody was going to be a, a professional athlete. So we were, we were fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you get into football through your brothers? Yeah, you know what, I think most of our family, we got pretty, you know, a late start on football. You know, we grew up playing all, all the other sports, um, 
baseball, basketball, soccer. We were in the local rec leagues. Um, and it really wasn't until about seventh grade that most of us started playing because that was the age our parents wanted us to wait. They wanted, they wanted people to, to be in junior high uh, in order to start playing football and uh, develop a little bit more. And then people started to, to participate. And then obviously we all stuck with it. So um, my first year of playing actually wasn't even until till seventh grade and I'd gotten hurt. So I didn't play, I didn't play at all. So my first year of actually playing football was when I was in eighth grade. So a lot of us got a late start and we continued playing other sports, but um, football was definitely kind of on the back end of it. Were you always the quarterback? Um, you know, I went back and forth. The, you know, I played quarterback, but my brother Greg also played quarterback and he was the starter and he was two years above me. So when Greg was a junior and senior, I was a freshman and sophomore. And, um, I was a backup quarterback and, uh, you know, Greg wasn't hurt. So when he wasn't hurt, I kind of rotated in that wide receiver. So kind of your typical high school, uh, you know, athlete where they kind of move you around a little bit and, and everybody plays offense and defense or they play multiple positions. Uh, but then once Greg graduated and left and, uh, I became a junior, then I became full-time quarterback. So that was my focus then. Nice. And that's that's great that you were athletic enough to play other positions, because as you said, you were the backup because Greg was two years older. Pretty unique experience backing up your brother. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun, you know, to, to be able to, to practice with him and, and, and kind of watch him. You know, he had started for four years, so he, you know, by the time I was on varsity, he had already been playing for two years and had a ton of experience. And to kind of transition and learn from him, so when he graduated, you know, I would uh, have a better understanding of the offense, a better understanding of playing and leadership and things like that. So it worked out really well. Uh, I can assure you that. Yeah, it definitely did. <laughs> and the, the school, the high school you guys attended was private school, Christian Brothers Academy. You had a great football career there. And really, when you became the QB1, CBA didn't miss a beat. You guys went 11-1 and one during your junior year. We did. You know, we had a, we had a great a pipeline of talent and, and, and skilled players and, and really a great program for, for a, probably more than a decade. Um, we had a great coaching staff that for a long time sustained success, um, you know, years before Greg got there. And then certainly when he was a quarterback and then when I became the full-time quarterback as well, we can, we continued with it and went to the state semifinals and, and had a chance at repeating as a uh, New York state champions, but unfortunately fell a little short, but, um, you know, we were part of a great, a great time there at CBA where, um, we, we had won a lot of championships and it was a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. Now, did you play basketball in high school as well? I did. I played both sports. I played football oh, nice. and basketball, um, to overlap with, with, um, Greg there as well. I got to play basketball with him for a year and then two years of football, uh, but loved basketball. Basketball was such a fun sport, especially in high school. Um, and in order to do both, it was great. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, that's great. You throw for over 2,000 yards both seasons that you're the starting quarterback, and you're ranked the number one player in the state of New York. You're an All-American and the New York Gatorade Player of the Year. So really successful. Well, thank you for that. I think, uh, you know, we had, again, such a great program at CBA for such a long time. And, uh, you know, we made a good run. And, um, you know, I think we were able to, to capitalize on, on great coaching and then just momentum based on, you know, the, the teams we had in the early 2000s and then the mid-2000s. They kind of just kind of just continued to roll into one another. And we had a really good thing going there. So it was, it was fun to be a part of, that's for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. Now you're obviously a sought after recruit. So what was that process like for you? Yeah, you know what, it, it came pretty quick. And, um, you know, actually the decision to, that I made was pretty quick as well. You know, I, I didn't start till my junior year in high school. And, you know, that fall, the end of the first season that I had started, I started to receive some scholarship offers. And I think it was by late the next spring, April or May, I had already decided and committed. So, you know, it was less than a year, a very quick process. Um, you know, the quarterback position, and it's, it's probably even gotten quicker today than it was, you know, almost 14 years ago, uh, is that quarterbacks usually decide quickly. They decide early, sometimes their sophomore, junior year, um, because there's just not a lot of room for quarterbacks at programs. So a lot of schools might just take one quarterback, and they, if they extend three or four offers out to some recruits, the first person who takes it's going to get it. So, um, you know, it was, it was great to learn and meet a lot of coaches and visit a lot of schools and then, you know, go through that process. And then I, I pulled the trigger and ended up going to, to the University of North Carolina and uh, was very happy with that decision. You know, I never thought about that, ha- having quarterbacks have to choose early, but it makes sense. How many do they carry? Maybe four a team will have? Yeah, I would say around four, an average of four on scholarships. So, again, it depends what they're trying to fit into each class. Sometimes, you know, they take one quarterback or two quarterbacks a class. But, um, you know, it's definitely a a sought-after position, and there's just not a lot of room for them. So, um, you know, if you get an offer, you know, it's usually up to the quarterback as far as how soon you want to accept it and kind of reserve your spot. Mm -hmm. Now, what led you to choose North Carolina? You know, I think it was a combination of factors. Um, you know, I think I had a great relationship with the coaching staff there. Um, you know, the assistant coaches there were, was Coach Dave Brock and uh, a coach named Frank Signetti, who's now the offense coordinator at Boston College, but had a terrific relationship with them and the head coach, John Bunning. Um, you know, I think when you think of UNC athletics, just the, the almost mecca of college sports, when you look across the board, the type of athletes they have and just the facilities and, and the ACC and being in that area, there was just so many things that drew me to that area um, and that school. And, and, you know, I wanted to be a part of a, of a rebuild too, to be honest. I, I wanted to be a part of a up and coming program, a place that was aspiring to be conference champions or national champions. So, you know, there's just a number of factors. And at the end of the day, I was the most comfortable there and, and believe that, you know, I wanted to play there. I wanted to be a part of it. And if anything ever happened, you know, if I ever got injured or something happened, would I want to still be there? Would I still want education from there? And my answer was yes. So that's ultimately why I went there. Yeah, it's a great university. I'd love to know, though, what did Greg say when you told him you committed to UNC? You know what? I think we just had a lot of fun with it, to be honest with you. (laughs) I don't remember if there was a specific moment, I think, you know, in these types of processes, it's it's not necessarily you wake up one morning and it hits you. I think you've got a gut feeling and it kind of winds down, and narrows, and then you just feel more and more confident with it. So I think he knew where I was leaning and where I wanted to go. And, and he had come over there to UNC with me on one of my recruiting visits. And, and you know, I wanted him to see what I saw and get his perspective, um, you know, on the people, the facilities, the environment, the culture, things like that. And uh, I think he knew that, that that's where I was leaning. Um, so it was a lot of fun to, you know, actually tell him and end up doing. And then, you know, certainly when you announce it, you know, it's a, it's a funny storyline story to have brothers at Duke and UNC. And uh, I think we just had a lot of fun with it. You had to be on separate ends of a huge rivalry. It's pretty brave of Greg to show up on the UNC campus. 
Yeah, I tell you what, I think he came to a couple of football games and 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 I don't, he didn't wear any any Duke clothing. I think he wore neutral colors just so he <laughs> he wouldn't stand out. But at, but when you're down south and you're at at Duke and UNC, they know who you are regardless. So especially for basketball players. So if you're a UNC or Duke basketball player, they're going to recognize you either way. But I appreciate him coming over to games when he was able to make them. That's awesome. So who would you root for in a Duke versus North Carolina basketball game? And who would he root for in the football game? You know what? I think we always just rooted for each other, to be honest with you. I think, um, you know, it's tough to kind of get in the middle of that, that rivalry. And again, wearing, wearing the other school or t-shirt or things like that uh, would probably be pretty tough to do in public uh, and go back and answer to your teammates. If I was wearing a Duke shirt or if he was wearing a UNC shirt. So, you know, I think we, we very much supported one another and, you know, I remember him playing and hoping he scored, you know, 30 points against UNC. But at the end of the day, if UNC won, you know, I still won because my school and, and institution had won. So we had we had fun with it and we supported one another either way. And I think I remember seeing you in the stands. They showed you on ESPN when Duke was playing at North Carolina after Greg hit a three pointer. You were standing and cheering, but you definitely had neutral colors on. <laughs> I remember that because, you know, I was sitting right behind the, uh, the Duke bench and, and got an earful the next day. I remember in our, in our team lounge at UNC of, of guys. Um, and I think it was a game where, where Greg had six or seven, three pointers. And, um, again, it was one of those things where you kind of laugh and we had a lot of fun with it and, and, um, all the other guys, the UNC football guys, and they all get in and, and we had fun. That's awesome. And now rivalry aside, The schools are only eight miles apart, so it must have been really great having family close by when you guys were pretty far from home. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's a great point. You know, I think sometimes sometimes people forget that we were from Syracuse. So in upstate New York, going all the way down to North Carolina to play and go to school, um, it really was it was uncommon at that point. You know, a lot of the, the talented, you know, athletes that we had either at CBA or other schools in the upstate New York area didn't really didn't really go too far away from home you know they either stayed and played at Syracuse or or other regional schools so for us to go down there it was it was definitely you had to get on a plane you weren't going to drive and uh, we didn't get to see our family as much so it was really nice to to have each other and you know we obviously were busy with our own sports and our own respective schedules but you know there were weekends or pockets that we could get together and and kind of make it you know, kind of like high school in some regards of still hanging out, still playing, still working out together and, and finding those times to, to relax with one another. So it was fun. Yeah, that's great. Now, how was the transition for you from high school football to college football? Uh, you know, personally for me, I think, you know, I just took a little bit more time than the average person. Maybe, you know, I, I mentioned that I didn't start playing quarterback until, you know, I was a junior in high school, so, you know, I only had two seasons under my belt and, and a little less than 20 games. So for me, really going into college and transitioning and, you know, physically adapting your body, mentally adapting to the game and, and learning more about the position, and then you're also adjusting to the speed of the game and competition and being in the ACC. So for me, you know, I went in there and I redshirted my first year and, and was really a great opportunity for me just to kind of develop. And, you know, that was a big thing for me throughout the recruiting process of finding a place where you could work with an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach to help develop because I wasn't, I wasn't a a recruit out of high school 
you know, some of the, the recruits out in California or Texas where they have quarterback coaches and they're playing football year round. And um, that just wasn't our setup. You know, we played multiple sports and um, when it was football season, we played football. And when it was basketball season, we played basketball. So, uh, you know, I enjoyed the transition and, and developing and, and kind of working your craft and developing. And, um, you know, and I think UNC was a good fit for that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, quarterback is such a hard position because usually only one guy plays. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you're at UNC at the same time as TJ Yates. So he was a starter mm-hmm. and you were the backup. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's what you see across the board at a number of these schools. It's a lot of it is timing. You know, you've got to have, you know, experience and the skill and you've got to take advantage of your opportunities. But it's timing as well. And, you know, only one quarterback gets to play. So if if two guys come in the same year and one guy wins the quarterback job, then then the other guy might not have a chance to play and they might look elsewhere. And, you know, my situation at UNC with TJ, um, you know, TJ was a year older than me. And when I redshirted, so I was sitting out, you know, he started that year and he played a lot of games and got a lot of experience and, and did well. So it's just kind of how the ball rolls and, and timing's a big deal at that position, especially because only one person gets to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so tough. Whereas, you know, if you were a running back or a wide receiver, a lot of those guys will play in a single game. But quarterback, unless there's an injury, only one guy's playing. Exactly. And in a lot of those positions, D-line, linebacker, safeties, corners, I mean, you can kind of rotate guys in to get them snaps and get them experience and, and kind of keep them happy, so to say. But at quarterback, it's a lot more difficult. For sure. As you mentioned, you redshirted your, your true freshman year. Then you play two seasons, mm-hmm. but you only got into four games because, as we, as we said, T.J. Yates was a starter. So then mm-hmm. you decide to transfer during, I guess, your junior year. I have to imagine playing time was the main factor. It was certainly one of the, uh, the major factors, yes. You know, I think it's, it's tough when you commit so much of your time and, and the reason for going to a school to, to play football and compete and be there, it certainly weighs on you if you're not competing or if you don't feel like you're getting a chance to compete or, or maybe you don't feel a part of the team as much because you're not contributing on the field. And, and there's a number of things that go into that. So it certainly adds to it. Um, and then I think there's a, a number of surrounding factors that when you're not playing, they kind of show up as well of, hey, I'm so far from home and, and all your friends are up in the Northeast or you're not seeing your family as much and, and things like that tie into it. And then you know, just being competitive and, and wanting the chance to compete to be a starter kind of creeps in there too. So, you know, all those things kind of factored into it. And ultimately, you know, it was extremely tough because you build so many relationships and, you know, I, I had loved UNC for so long and, and saw myself being there, um, but ultimately, ultimately made a decision to, to go and make a decision to, to try and compete and be the starting quarterback at another school. Yeah, I can understand all of that. It's got to be a hard decision to make. Yeah, absolutely. It was, and it was something that you think about for, for several months and, and, and even years, you know, to some regard, you kind of, you kind of, again, those things don't just pop up out of nowhere. They kind of slowly develop and you think about them and, and you, you go with your gut and try to make the best decision for you. For sure. So you end up transferring to William and Mary, a great school in Virginia. Why did you choose there? Again, you know, there's a number of factors, you know, I was looking at a, 
at a number of schools of, of where I could go and, and certainly compete and, and have a chance at playing competitive football and be a starter. And those, those things were important. Um, but a major contributing factor for me was also if I was going to leave the University of North Carolina, um, which I think is one of the top public schools in the country, and, and be on a full scholarship, um, I, I had to go and pick another school that was just as great academically, and that mm-hmm. was going to be a full scholarship as well because I didn't want to leave my situation and then ha- have to take out loans or ask my parents to pay for me. So, um, you know, I made a decision and did my research and got to know the coaching staff at William and Mary. And again, that was a great, a great timing scenario where they had graduated a quarterback had just gone to the final four and there was an open position and, um, great education, great community, great culture. And it just was a really good fit for, for my skill set and schematically what they were looking for in a quarterback. Now, William and Mary is in the NCAA football subdivision. So you don't have to sit out a year due to the transfer rules. Did that come into play at all for you? Yeah, it absolutely did. Yep. So, you know, when I was in uh, at UNC, which is now considered the power five, you know, you can transfer down to the football championship subdivision level and, and not have to sit out. And, and at that point, you know, there was guys that were starting to do it. You know, Joe Flacco had done it. Um, another, another highly recruited uh, starting quarterback uh, at Penn State was Pat Devlin. He did it and went to Delaware. So it was, it was starting to happen more often of, of power five quarterbacks transferring down in order to play uh, more immediately. Uh, but I also looked at other schools, looked at other schools in Division One A and FBS level. Uh, but at that point, you had to sit out a year. And if you transferred in conference, you had to sit out two years. So for me, it, was, it was, wasn't really an option. I was going to go the FCS route. Yeah, and plus you had already redshirted a year, so you're probably looking to play right away. Exactly. Your junior year in 2010, you do see more time on the field at William & Mary, and you have some great highlights. You're actually the starter in a win against top team in the conference, Villanova. Yeah, you know what? It it ended up being a great first year for me there at at William & Mary where, you know, I got to go in there and be the starter and help us be a part of some some really fun and great victories, you know, uh, in conference, especially, um, you know, Villanova, I think was the top ranked team. And then Delaware was number two and we had beaten both of them. And um, we had some great wins on the road. I remember at Maine, we had a great come, come, come from behind win. And then, um, you know, eventually we, we became the number one team in the country uh, for the first time ever at William Mary, which was, which is really great to be on campus when that was going on. So um, a lot of fun there at William Mary, and, and we had a, a great program and ended up winning the conference that year. Yeah, that's very exciting. And to go back to that main game, you you threw, a, what, a 20 or 21-yard touchdown to go ahead for that win with only 20 seconds left. Must have been incredible. Yeah, I think that was one of the most fun games. Definitely, you know, one of those top two or three moments that you never forget of, of going into the game and, and kind of leading the comeback and, and dropping the field and throwing the game when he touched down. That was um, a lot of fun. And, and, the, and especially on the road too, when you're, when you're celebrating the locker room and then you get on the plane home with the team. So it was definitely one of the more memorable, memorable moments of my career. For sure. I'm sure you'll remember that game forever. Mm-hmm. An odd situation that year is William and Mary plays North Carolina at North Carolina. How weird was that for you to go back to Chapel Hill as an opponent? Yeah, it was different. It really was. It was, um, it was great to go see 
all your friends and everyone that you had played with and been in school with and the administrative staff and, and to see them before the game and, and, and obviously talk and see him play against them during the game. Um, but it was definitely different. You know, the entire game itself was extremely competitive where you're, where you're locked in and you're just in the zone and you're not even thinking about any of that stuff, um, you know, once you're in between the lines. But, you know, just kind of the things that going around uh, surrounding the game and the hype and things like that, yes, it was, it was definitely special to go back and see those folks. And you played really well. You guys almost got the upset. We did. We came very, very close to, to pulling the upset. I think we led for most of the game and, um, you know, we just didn't have enough, enough in the tank to finish it off. You know, I think they've, they were just so, so strong on defense and had such great athletes. And then we kind of, you know, we kind of got tired there at the end of the game and just didn't have as many horses as they did to, to power through four quarters and hang on. Um, but it was extremely close and we had chances to win it for sure. And, uh, that game was great. And you got hurt in that game, didn't you? I did. I did. I actually got hurt in uh, probably around the last minute or so and, and ended up uh, carrying my, my throwing labrum in my shoulder all the way around. So I ended up having to, to get surgery and, um, you know, miss the entire spring and summer and, and tried to come back my senior year. And it just didn't, it didn't feel right, didn't work really well. And then, you know, we took an MRI and it showed that it was actually still torn. So uh, I'm actually still actively, you know, living and working with a torn labrum right now. Oh, wow. Do you plan on going in for surgery again to try to fix it? Or is it just kind of, it is what it is? No, it just kind of is what it is at this point. You know, if, if, if there was any ambitions back then to, to continue playing and, and try to go to the NFL or, or participate in any type of combine, then I would have needed to get it done. But for, for me, you know, I, I can do everything I want to do right now. And, and the only sport that I actively play is golf and it's, it's not affected by that. So um, I, I don't at this point need to go and, and have surgery again. Oh, that's good that it doesn't affect anything in your daily life. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's got to be so frustrating, though. You know, you you had to you were the backup in North Carolina. You get to William and Mary, where you're playing and playing well, and then this injury happens, and you're kind of back to square one. Yeah, you know what? To some regards, you're absolutely right, and and I think when you when you when you're in that moment and you're playing well and you're doing well and you're kind of seeing the future and some opportunities open up and you're hopeful. And then that kind of happens, um, you know, it just kind of humbles you a little bit. And then, you know, at the end of the day, that's why you pick going to great schools and being around great people and having relationships because at some point, you know, the, the ball stops bouncing or you're not able to play football anymore and you've got to keep going. So for me, it was, you know, unfortunate at that time and you kind of got to heal and go through that process and adjust to, to real life and, and working and getting a job and having a career. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't take away from all those things that you experienced and that I experienced. Um, you know, I appreciate it all, you know, the, the highs and lows and the wins and losses. And then, you know, being part of the great teams, it was a lot of fun and that's, that's why you do it. Absolutely. And you definitely did set yourself up for a future. You were named to the Colonial Athletic Conference all-academic team. So clearly you're getting it done in the classroom. Well, I think that's one thing about a school like William Mary in North Carolina is, you know, you've got to go to class and you've got to do the work, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was very fortunate to, to be at William Mary and, and be in a great academic environment where they challenged you and, and held you accountable for your grades. So, and it was something I took serious and that's something that our parents growing up instilled in us was that you got to take care of business in the classroom. 
Absolutely. And you continue your education. We're, we're going to talk about that. After you complete your eligibility in football, you begin a very interesting journey in athletic development. So first, let me ask you this. Were you always interested in this field? Honestly, Bridget, I wasn't. I didn't know much about it, to be honest. And, um, you know, I, I got connected with some folks at UNC and they introduced me to some people at VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, about a, a sports management master's program, and I didn't know much about it. And, um, you know, I, I enrolled in the program and took a chance on it, and uh, it turned out that I really enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed learning about college athletics and the different aspects of it from a development and marketing and compliance and admissions, and it's very much like running a company, except you're in the field of college athletics. So for me, you know, I felt like it was a natural fit for who I was and my background and, and ultimately where I wanted to go in the future. So, um, you know, I locked in kind of in the athletic development realm, which is fundraising and alumni relations and, and working with our, our coaches and our sports and our athletics director. And uh, I've enjoyed it ever since. That's awesome. And I just have to throw this out there. VCU upset Duke in the NCAA tournament when Greg was there. So this is the second school that is Greg's nemesis. <laughs> That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, little brother, just you keep, you keep nagging your older brother, don't you? <laughs> absolutely. That's how it happens, right? <laughs> For sure. So you're at VCU. And then you move on to Mount St. Mary's from 2013 to 2015, where you get your MBA. So you have your master's in education and business. And what was your role at Mount St. Mary's? Yeah, so at Mount St. Mary's, you know, I transitioned there in 2013 and, you know, had another role in fundraising. It was with development and alumni relations and, and working in their central advancement office to fundraise and support their athletics programs and the Mount was a small is a small division one athletics program and it was a great opportunity to go and and gain responsibilities and learn how a different environment works uh, different division one athletics it was a much smaller athletics department compared to VCU and um, it was a much senior role from experience and it helped me you know be around senior level leaders and experience that and learn from them so it was it was a great experience to go and work there and see how a different school works and continue to grow professionally. And you talk about, you know, getting a different experience. Well, after that, you go to Ole Miss, where you're there from 2015 to 2018. That must have been a culture shock. <laughs> it was. It absolutely was. Um, you know, I tell you what, going to UNC and being in William Mary and in Virginia, I think a lot of folks will kind of label that as the South, but then you go even further to the deep, deep South, the Mississippi, and it's just very, very different than upstate New York. Um, but I tell you what, if you're, if you're interested in sports and you're interested in college athletics, then, you know, really there's, there's no other place where you would want to be to learn and get experience in, in fundraising and revenue generation and marketing and really learning how the whole major operation works. And, you know, to, to go to Ole Miss and be there for three years and experience, you know, Sugar Bowls and NCAA tournaments and things like that, it was just it was a lot of fun. Um, such great people um, fit in so much better than you might think of being, you know, a guy from upstate New York coming all the way down to, to Mississippi. But they welcome you with open arms. Such a great culture and environment. And um, that was just a great career and personal experience more than anything. Yeah, I'm sure. 
And I have to ask you this. I know you were working, but did you get to attend any of Ole Miss's tailgates on a Saturday? I did. Absolutely. I think that that's, that's part of the job is, is before the game, you're kind of, you're walking around the Grove and, and you're getting a chance to say hi to all your, your alumni and your donors and your friends and people that you've gotten to know there. So it's, it's unlike anything else. So if anybody has never been to an Ole Miss football game in a tailgate, um, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. Yeah. I want to get to an SEC tailgate just to say that I was there. I don't even care what team it is. <laughs> there, there's something else. They're a lot of fun, though. You've got to do it and experience it. Just the the culture, the camaraderie, um, the amount of time. I mean, these are all day affairs, and then you go to the game. It's just very long days, but it's so much fun, and you're cheering on your team, and everyone's there for the same reason. So it's it's very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. You were the senior director of athletic development there, and you're actually a part of some of the top fundraising years in Ole Miss history. Yeah, you know what? When I got there, we were in a, uh, a capital campaign. So the entire initiative was to raise um, upwards of $200 million to renovate a lot of their existing facilities, to improve them, to upgrade them, to make them more modern. And then we also ended up uh, expanding and renovating the football stadium and then building a completely new basketball arena, which is called the Pavilion at Ole Miss there, which was just under $100 million dollars but there was a major focus and an effort on building that arena because the previous one was just very old and dilapidated. So it was time to, to move on and upgrade it and get some nicer facilities there. Um, but during that time, yeah, we had a, a lot of, a lot of great years of fundraising, a lot of support from the alumni and the people that were interested in moving that, moving that athletics department forward. Um, you know, the alumni there, they care a lot. The season ticket holders, they, they want the programs to do well and, you know, during my time there, we got to know a lot of great people, and, and ultimately we were able to accomplish a lot of great things fundraising-wise. Yeah, you were very successful. And not only were you working there, you were also attending classes to get your Ph.D. Do you have that, or are you still going for it? Uh, currently, I'm in candidacy right now, so I finished all the coursework for it. Uh, it took about three years to do the coursework, and um, I've passed my comprehensive exams and now I'm a candidate, which means that I'm in dissertation phase where I'm just writing at this point. So the goal is, is the, uh, to finish in early 2021. Oh, congratulations. It's awesome. Well, we're not there yet. Got to keep working on it. But hopefully here, <laughs> you know, if I could finish the whole thing by next year, that would be great. Hey, I'm putting positive vibes out there. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think that's awesome that not only you're, you're working and doing well in work, you're also really going for it in education as well. You're going to be a doctor soon. Well, I think soon. it's important. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think it's important to, you know, to have an understanding of so many different facets. You know, I think these, these jobs are extremely complex, you know, and in order, in order to understand the, the sport administration side and the, the business side. And then ultimately, if you're going to be a, a leader in athletics or a leader on a campus, then you've got to understand the big picture of, of higher education and how it operates and what its purpose is and, and how everybody's connected and works together. So that's ultimately why, you know, I've been able to, to pursue it. I just, I have an interest in it. I think it's important to have that understanding and that knowledge as you grow in your career. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, to finishing my PhD, but I'm someone who likes to go to school and I like to learn. So to some degree, I will miss not having a program to go to once I finish it. <laughs> That's awesome. In the summer of 2018, 
you took a job at the Naval Academy. You're the senior associate athletic director for development. You're still there today. How are you liking your time at Navy? I am, yeah. So I just finished my second year here, and we're already got you know plans in place for a third year of football. So we're excited about that. Um, you know, moving forward and and making those plans for the upcoming fall. You know, my experience here has been great of of learning just how special and unique you know the Naval Academy is. You know, we're obviously a service academy, so we're you know similar to the armies and the air forces of our of our space and just learning our entire setup here has been you know I've never been a part of something like it to be honest so it's it's been great to learn about our midshipmen about their mission about their schedules about how varsity athletics plays a part in their lives and how it helps them develop you know it's been very very unique and unlike anywhere else that I've been you know it's very different from VCU to to Mount St. Mary's to Ole Miss and then to come here and be at the Naval Academy. Um, but it's just a tremendous mission for the type of student athletes that we have. So it's been great from that standpoint. And again, just to continuing to learn and adjust to, to our setup here and, and looking forward to continuing it. Absolutely. I have a lot of respect for, well, everyone that's at a service academy, but even more so the athletes because they're doing so much work. I think it's incredible. Oh, absolutely. They are. And their schedules are, are jam-packed. And, you know, the great part about the Naval Academy is, is, is collectively the academy has an understanding that, you know, a student athlete is coming there and participating in sports. But the number one thing is to make sure that they are prepared to be commissioned. And, you know, athletics plays a part in that, but it's not the only part. And that, that's what makes it special. Absolutely. No, Mike, is it your goal to be a head athletic director of a university one day? You know, I definitely aspire to be on that track. You know, I enjoy the college athletic space. You know, I enjoy, you know, all the places that I've gotten to work to date. And, you know, I'd certainly enjoy where I'm at right now. You know, I think looking down, you know, you don't want to look too far down the pike. But, you know, I'm, I'm very much enjoying you know, fundraising and alumni relations and, and working with our individual sports and, and working more with coaches. Um, you know, it's, it's a great career field to be in, to be honest. It's a great quality of life and you're around athletics and, and if you're competitive and you want to win and, and to, to some degree, you're also running your own business, right? So it's Absolutely. very, very interesting. You know, I, I, I think that there could be even more, you know, marketing to to what you know sports administration is especially in in higher education because it's a great field so so i definitely enjoy it it's a it's a path that i see myself in and continuing in college athletics of being a part of this and continuing to fundraise so i enjoy it that's awesome hey as long as you enjoy it keep going see what happens that's right there you go we're in no rush Yeah, you're still young. But honestly, through talking to you for, what, 45 minutes, I can already tell you'd make a great athletic director. (laughs) Well, thank you, Bridget. I appreciate that. It's very nice of you. Of course. I'd send my kids to your school. (laughs) There we go. That's the ultimate test right there. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mike, what else have you been up to these days? I think just continuing to work here at the Naval Academy. Obviously, we're coming up here you know, in the summertime, so we should quiet down a little bit, but also, you know, looking forward to figuring out how we're going to operate for the upcoming fall. Um, you know, when I'm not working, I'm, I'm spending time pursuing, you know, my PhD and trying to finish my dissertation here, which, um, you know, those two things between a job and school take up a lot of your time, but, you know, we're taking, taking the, 
the pandemic in stride and just going day by day, enjoying, you know, trying to enjoy the new normal and the setup that we have and, and still finding ways to, to work and get the job done and be productive. Um, and then hopefully we, you know, gradually can, you know, maybe get to see some family and spend some time with more friends and travel a little bit, you know, later this summer, but it's all, you know, kind of at a standstill right now. Yeah, it's definitely an odd time to work in athletics. It is. You know, there's just so many unknowns right now, you know, heading into the fall and with different states having different rules and regulations and different conferences having different policies and and procedures for athletics and bringing student athletes back and then, you know, how institutions are going to operate as well. So there's just there's a number of factors that contribute to the entire enterprise. And we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. Yeah, kind of in limbo for now. Mm Mm-hmm. Mike, I've had a blast talking with you. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Okay, sounds good. All right. First question, what is your favorite movie? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> give a specific genre you're looking for. Oh, gosh, I mean, any genre. Or you could name a few if you want, <laughs> if you have a couple of movies that you like. You know, I'm, I'm a big comedy guy. I love watching comedies, you know, all the... The old schools of the world, Wedding Crashers, movies like that. Um, and then, you know, I would say I watched a good sports movie. You know, it's an older one, but but really enjoy The Legend of Bagger Vance from a sports genre. Um, there's so many of those out there from from Hoosiers and Remember the Titans and things like that. But, you know, push comes to shove, I'll usually go with a comedy. Nice. I enjoy those comedies as well. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Always a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good one. It's a very good one. <laughs> All right, last question. What professional sports teams do you root for? You know what? I actually don't follow too much of the professional sports leagues. Um, you know, I kind of get the updates from, you know, following different social media and, you know, ESPN and things like that. So I'm, I'm kept up to date enough to know what's going on. But I'm, I'm actually really just a college sports buff. You know, I love following you know, our industry and, and different leagues, you know, ranging from all levels of division one all over the country from, you know, the Ivies in the Northeast to the PAC 12 in the West and things like that. I just, I'm very much a, a college athletics person. Uh, love the culture of the camaraderie, you know, I would say by far one of my favorite places to be in the world is on a college campus because there's just nothing like it. So I think for me, I usually defer on the pro sports question. I just, I don't follow teams. I don't have a a season ticket package to any specific program, but you know, I I just, I love following college sports. I agree with you. I think college sports are better. Yeah. So if it ever changes, I'll let you know, but I'm a, (laughs) I'm a very big college sports guy. (laughs) But growing up in Syracuse, for the NFL, are you guys more Buffalo or are you guys more like Jets and Giants? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Again, I think, it, you know, we didn't really follow pro sports too much. So I would say, you know, most of those people, you know, I would say are Buffalo Bills fans, you know, in upstate mm-hmm. and western New York, you know, from our friends and then knowing people in the area and growing up there. But again, we were more likely to follow the college teams, you know, and go to Syracuse games as opposed to traveling and going to New York or New Jersey or Buffalo to see the pro sports. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you got Syracuse right there with great sports. I'm sure you guys were at the Dome a lot. Exactly. And and during that time of when we grew up in the the mid-90s and the late-90s, I mean, you're 
you're looking at some of their their greatest basketball programs with Final Four teams and John Wallace and Donovan McNabb at quarterback and you know it was just a, a really fun time to grow up and, and go to the dome and and see the old Astro turf and what that was like and 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 be in the Loud House as they call it. It's <laughs> awesome. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bridget, for, for inviting me to be a part of, part of it. I really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to, to maybe doing it again sometime. Sure. Come on whenever you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. That was my chat with Mike Paulus. I hope you enjoyed it. What an impressive guy. It was really interesting to hear his career playing in athletics and then his career working in athletics. I look forward to following his journey. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.